Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zaffaro, and this is an open and shut episode with Stephanie Kane. Now, Stephanie has written a number of books, but the one we're going to talk the most about today is one called Automat, which uh, centers around a famous painting. Well, uh, I'll just leave it at that. A museum curator with a good eye for art and a famous painting, and I'll let her explain the rest. A uh, very interesting uh, woman. One of those uh, interviews that I ended up staying on the phone for almost another uh, 45 minutes or so just chatting, and uh, that's that's one of the nice byproducts of doing interviews and meeting people. Um, but I will also say that uh, this was an interesting recording session in terms of the uh, technical side of the house. So uh, what you actually are going to hear is uh, Stephanie and I talking with her on speakerphone, uh, on my phone and uh, this microphone picking all of that up. So uh, you will notice some uh, a little bit of tinniness uh, uh, on her voice uh, some of the time and some fluctuating uh, volume and clarity. And I apologize for that. But uh, it was either that or don't bring you her interview. And I think you'll enjoy what she has to say. So that's a very long introduction. And I haven't even told you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. You can learn more at their website, downoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com, downoutbooks. Take the journey with us. All right, let's meet Stephanie Kane. Well, hello, Stephanie, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Frank. I was reading your bio uh, in preparation for the show, and I saw a couple of interesting things. One is that you are a lawyer. That is true. So as a former uh, police officer, that's always a, a, a potential uh, bonding moment or uh, one that breeds enmity. I don't know, what kind of a lawyer? <laughs> what kind of lawyer? Lawyer were you? Well, you, you probably really won't like the fact that I, I did spend some time as a criminal defense lawyer. So that should make me even more anathema to you. <laughs> Actually not so much. I It's a big system that everybody's part of. I used to play hockey with some lawyers, prosecutors, and defense attorneys. One of the guys on the team that I liked the best was, was a criminal defense attorney. And he kind of jokingly said, hey, look, you can't convict him without us. So <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> kind of changed that my attitude. <laughs> um, and I also saw something else that was interesting to me is that uh, you owned and ran a karate studio. That's, that is also true. I have quite a checkered past. What uh, system of karate was that? It was Taekwondo, ah. Korean karate, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, which is mainly kicks. Right. And I have a lot of knee, knee and foot and hand surgery to, to show for it, and that's about it. Well, uh, you, you, your newest book is a book called Automat, and it is actually the second book in a, uh, featuring a pretty interesting character. But before we talk about that, I, I kind of wanted to touch on something that I learned about you uh, when your publicist reached out to me, uh, and that is that your first book, uh, Quiet Time, was a fictionalized version of some true events. And I was wondering if you could just touch on that briefly. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. It's my only standalone mystery. And, and actually, the events that it was based on were sort of my introduction to adulthood and the real world of criminals and cops. 
um, you know, kind of a college student's intro to reality 101. Um, the story was based on the 1973 murder of my mother-in-law about two weeks before I was about to marry her son. Um, her husband, my father-in-law, was indicted, but the charges were dropped. So, you know, fast forward about 30 years, I did some research into the case, and uh, as an attempt to try to understand what happened and come to grips with it for my own purposes, I, I wrote it in fiction. I heavily fictionalized it, and it got me my first contract with Bantam, and it got published in 2001, but it had a very uh, short life and a quick death because it came out, I think, the week of 9-11. Oh, bad However, <laughs> it had a second act because it became the catalyst for reopening a cold case in, in that murder um, in 2005. And the killer, my former father-in-law, was reindicted for the murder 30 years later. So um, I blogged about this. I've pieced together the original crime and the cold case and Quiet Time's role in it in a blog that is posted on my website called Cold Case Story Blog. And as a writer yourself, Frank, you might be interested in looking at it because it examines the original crime in the cold case through a storytelling lens. So the blog posts are, are kicked off by narrative techniques, you know, mm -hmm. like character arcs, point of view, mm -hmm. inciting incidents, etc. So that's how I started my writing career. I think uh, it'd be a, a, an instructive and interesting uh, read for anyone uh, who's planning on writing fiction or nonfiction, because true crime, of course, has a you know a pretty big slice of the crime uh, story pie. You know, pe a lot of people out there. I mean, Anne Rule hasn't done well by accident, and people are interested in, yeah. in true crime. Uh, but I wanted to flash forward uh, to your most recent book, um, Automat. Your main character is a woman named Lily, um, Lily Sparks, and she has an interesting talent. Uh, maybe you could uh, flesh that out a little. Well, she's a paintings conservator at the Denver Art Museum who was trained from childhood to have kind of a uniquely discerning eye. And by that, I mean that she's trained by her father when she was a little girl to, to pick up details and remember them. And he, he sort of you know, um, kind of push that on her as a child, you know, to, to be hyper observant. And she kind of parlays that skill or talent into a career as an art conservator, um, which requires tremendous attention to detail. So that's kind of her, her special talent. And in Automat, um, the title comes from a painting by Edward Hopper, some of your listeners might be familiar with it. There's a flapper sitting alone um, in an automat at night. An automat is like the earliest version of a vending machine. They used to be in New York in the 40s and 50s. And uh, they were basically a kind of diner where you could put money in a, in a slot, you know, with a glass window and, you know, the, the window would open and you would take out your sandwich or your slice of pie or whatever. Anyway, the painting, the woman is sitting there and she is alone 
and she is bent sort of in contemplation over a cup of coffee. And that's one of Hopper's um, most recognized paintings. So that, that was sort of the kickoff for my story. And the reason I picked Hopper is because he keeps, he kept throughout his career, he seemed to keep painting the same woman over and over, whether she was a flapper or a stripper or, you know, a secretary in an office, it was basically the same woman, a very hard featured kind of a woman. And that just fascinated me. You know, why did he keep painting this woman? Was she a real woman? You know, what, was there any resolution? Did she have, did the, the paintings have an arc? And that was kind of the basis for the story. Well, this is the second book featuring Lily Sparks. The first one's called, uh, very fittingly, A Perfect Eye. The, the talent that Lily has kind of reminds me of a, a developed version of that uh, innate talent that, according to Malcolm Gladwell, we all have, that he kind of explored in the in his book, Blink, are you familiar with that at all? Or did that come into... No. Um, oh, oh, Malcolm Gladwell, yes. Uh, and actually, though, now that you're bringing that up, I, I should mention that uh, there's another person um, who some of your readers may be interested in, another real person who wrote about a similar talent. Um, and she actually inspired my character. She's an art historian named Amy Herman. And she wrote a book called Visual Intelligence. And what Herman does is um, she teaches medical students and lawyers and cops and FBI agents to be more observant by studying paintings in museums. Oh, wow. And so, and that's actually what sparked Lily Sparks in my mind, because I thought, oh, what a cool, what a cool skill set for a new kind of a detective. So, you know, I... I She's not, I mean, it's, 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 I didn't invent her out of whole cloth. There are people who, mm -hmm. who, tr you know, are trained to be hyper observant and train others to do that, you know, so that was sort of the origin of Lily. That's fascinating. Uh, part, part of what made me think of the Gladwell book when, when I was reading the description of Lily uh, is that he introduces the concept by uh, recounting a, a, a tale of some art forgery that took place and how someone like Lily, somebody whose job is to, to you know, to pay attention to art, a, a conservator, how some of people in that field, you know, saw a, uh, it's kind of a sculpture, an ancient sculpture, a relief, and just, it, you know, everything seemed right, but everything seemed wrong and they just kind of knew it. And so he explores that, what do we have in us that causes us to make that, you know, in a blink, make that, you know, thin slicing sort of appraisal of things. And, and one of the things that he concluded, obviously, is that our 10,000 hours of expertise certainly comes into play. And it sounds yeah. like, it sounds like Lily put in even more than 10,000 hours if she's been doing it since she was a kid. Yeah. And, and they call it an eye, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. that's what connoisseurs have. And that's, you know, they become expert witnesses in cases about forgeries and stuff. And it's not scientific. It's, I mean, now there's a lot of scientific tests that you can subject a piece of art to to determine, you know, whether the, the materials are, you know, of the, of the period that they purport to be and stuff like that. But it, it really always still comes down to the connoisseur, the expert's eye. And that's where I got the title actually for Lily's 
debut book, A Perfect Eye. Because, of course, there is no such thing as A Perfect Eye. Of course not. But uh, it sounds like there's a pretty close facsimile. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you get uh, what really tri trips the connoisseurs up is that you, you develop a lot of arrogance. Uh -huh around the notion that your eye is perfect. Right. And and in a perfect eye, what happens is the bad guy is a forger. And an interesting thing about forgers is that the, the really interesting ones don't do it for the money. They're usually failed artists or artists who the art world has ignored or, you know, turned their back on. And they, they embark on forgeries to prove the experts wrong. So it's a revenge thing, not a yeah, money thing. So exactly. it would sound like um, you've done a fair amount of research and have a pretty strong interest in, in art. Is it uh, just a, a hobby level casual interest or, I mean, did you go to school for, for that or where's your... I, I really wish I had studied it in school. When I decided to create Lily as um, my new character for a series, I knew almost nothing about art. I mean, I like paintings. I've been to museums a lot, you know. My husband and I have some paintings, but I knew nothing about art <laughs> history or the discipline of it or anything like well, that. When and, you say that, all I can hear is somebody saying, I don't know much about art, but I know what I like. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that's right. That's why I say, you know, my... My husband's and my art collection is not valuable. It's stuff uh, that we like. You it's know? valuable to you. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm the same way. You know, it speaks to us. So, yeah. But I didn't know anything formally about the art world. Mm -hmm. And that was actually one of the attractions because I really like plunging into a new world and culture because that, that learning curve, that steep learning curve is what jazzes me up. So the fact that I didn't know anything about uh -huh. it and was starting at ground zero was actually an attraction. And then, you know, I, I cultivated some sources. I did a lot mm -hmm. of tons of book research, went to museums, and I, I cultivated some, some kind of inside sources who filled me in on the museum world's culture, which you can't get from books, mm -hmm. because it's so different from, from what I expected anyway. Um, it's not anything like law. It's not anything like writing. It's it's a very self, it strikes me anyway, as a very self-conscious kind of a world. There's a lot of ego involved. And the, the people are, are really fascinating because they're as fallible as anybody else. Did you uh, translate that culture and those elements of the culture into Lily Sparks' personality? Or is she more of an outsider? She's definitely an outsider. But... You know, she, she has to function in the museum in which she works. And, and one of the things that where it came in was I was I was interviewing a conservator, a real live human conservator who was kind enough to show me her lab and answer all my pestering questions. And, you know, I asked her, you know, what what bugs you? you know, about people in museums, you know, is there something about the visitors that bug you? And she immediately said, they stand way too close to the art, way too close, meaning that they spit on it, they cough on it. Oh my you God. 
Yeah, and I, that just like never occurred to me, you know. So I built that in as one of, and, and she said, and some of her colleagues, she thought stood too close to the art too, and that's from the perspective of a conservator, sure, you know, who has to clean and restore the stuff. Uh. So you know, of course, they're thinking about that. But I, I did build that into Lily as one of her quirks. I mean, she's very conscious of people, you know, getting too close to the art, including curators and other museum personnel. So, you know, that that's just an example of how I use something about museum culture to build into my character. Uh, so the book is Automat uh, by Stephanie Kane from Cold Hard Press. It is the second Lily Sparks book after A Perfect Eye. And it'll drop on October 15th. Uh, you can get it anywhere you can get books. Uh, Stephanie, before I let you go, uh, I wanted to point out that uh, your bio says uh, that uh, you live in Denver with your husband and two black cats. So, you know, I, I, I didn't think you were evil for being into Taekwondo <laughs> or for being a criminal defense attorney. That's all good. But I mean, I have one black cat, so I'm partially evil, but uh, I think you're all the way around the bend with that. <laughs> Uh, a kindred spirit <laughs> well i want to say thanks for coming on the show and for helping uh for for being willing to uh jump over some of the uh technical obstacles that we had to make it happen thanks a million for making it work and for having me on well there you are folks stephanie kane and uh some interesting stuff and uh a, a kind of a cool premise all right our next episode will be a feature episode, one that I'm very excited about and was looking forward to quite a bit. Uh, I got the chance to talk with Eric Van Lustbader, who is a very well-known uh, and best-selling author and who I first encountered in the early 1980s when I read his uh, martial arts thriller, The Ninja. I'll tell you, it was, I had a great time in that interview. Um, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes, uh, so to speak. Uh, but uh, it's always nice when you do meet someone that you've admired uh, for, for a while and find out that not only are they pretty cool, but there's even more to them than you realized. Uh, so we had a great conversation, uh, so much so that I'm going to have him back on the show uh, near the end of the season to talk about his next release. Uh, and I don't do that very often at all. Uh, so next episode, Eric Van Lustbader. All I have for you on the Zafiro update front is just to remind you that Badge Heavy, the third book in the Charlie 316 series that I write with Colin Conway, did come out about a month ago. And in about a month, Code 4, the fourth and final book in that series that will resolve the Tyler Garrett saga, will be out. I want to say thanks to Stephanie Kane for coming on the show to Down Out Books for being a great sponsor, and to you, the listener, for uh, taking the time on these open and shut episodes as well as the feature episodes. I do like both formats. It's nice to meet a lot of people, even if it's for a brief period of time, but also to occasionally take a deeper dive and have a, a more wide-ranging conversation in those feature episodes. Next episode, Eric Van Lustbader. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes... You gotta be in the wrong place to write crime. <laughs>